we'll be doing sets like 400 plus four ones again, but this time 400s would be just like aerobic where four ones would be descent by round and three yeah. rounds. Like that. So yeah, I, I'm just used to do that. All the stuff. I enjoy it. and like suffering. And just, this is what I gain confidence from that. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got the full crew, Dr. John Mullen, Luke Paddington, and Andre Minikov. What's up, Andre? How are you? <laughs> yeah, thanks for the invitation. Yeah, everything is good here. All right. Well, what is here? Uh, last last we saw you had entered the transfer portal and, you know, we're just kind of, uh, there were some options open. So where where is here? What's going on? Give us the latest. What's going on with your swimming career? Well, in fact, I entered the transfer portal twice. But as of now, I'm currently training with the Stanford team here in California. So, nice. um, yeah, technically, I never left Stanford. You look like you're in a hotel, though. Are you in a hotel? <laughs> yeah, because this is a winter training. Uh, the campus in life is not like hasn't started yet. That's why we're just waiting to get into our dorms later, like in a week or so. So we're staying in the hotel and doing winter training. Is that the way they do things on the farm? They just lock it down so nobody nobody on. <laughs> I guess so, but it's the university policy. We can't do anything about it. That's yeah, part of our yeah. hotels are expensive. You know, it's and also like it's also crazy because uh, uh, we get the same housing for the fall, winter, and spring. And so basically, yeah. you leave all your stuff, all your clothing, and everything that you don't need, just basically in your rooms, but it's just locked out. Like you cannot get in there, and you wait until everyone just moves in. So it's like crazy, but I know. <laughs> Oh, wait, uh, this reminded me of something. Does everybody, all the athletes at Stanford, they stay on campus? Does anybody live off campus? Yes, everybody staying on campus. Okay. It's very rarely, maybe just like a few people, just like, I don't know, like 10 people, like 20 people of the athletic part stays outside. But even this, no, the living here is so expensive. It's just not, not worth it to earn anything off campus. And the living situation on campus is pretty great because we have a lot of a lot of dorms we have a new dorm called evgr so it's just yeah it's good sure yeah is there actually specific dorms or are you guys with everyone in general or how does that work at stanford no unfortunately i wish <laughs> i wish we had athletic dorm thank god we have athletic dining but uh dorm wise no we have neighborhoods and then there are freshman houses sophomore houses i mean like freshman houses sophomore houses and then junior and above who lives together every time i go to stanford campus it's completely changed i mean i go at least once a year and there's a whole new dorm there's a new building there's an ai building the campus is just blowing up you know it's <laughs> it, it, it's it feels powerful to be on campus like you know this is the way it's going how how do you enjoy just being at stanford and being in that environment and and you know it's, it's such a beautiful smelling environment too i love the eucalyptus trees what's it like living in stanford <laughs> so yeah the campus is it's just huge yeah and uh probably the worst part of it is just biking from the furthest location to the pool every morning that we did last year because i'm neighborhood yeah. d and neighborhood d at stanford is just the furthest location from athletics and so i had to bike like 10 minutes in the morning like 6 a.m or 5 a.m in the morning just to get there especially if it's raining it's cold it's wind so that's probably the worst part but in general, Stanford campus is just amazing. It's one of the biggest in the world. And one thing that I like about it the most is that the animal life is just a true yeah. farm. We have deers, we have squirrels, we have coyotes, we have a lot, a lot of wild animals that just 
walking like around. So, you know, you bike into class and you just see like 20 squirrels on the, on the grass. <laughs> so it's a uh, school. Okay, wait, wait a minute. On the wildlife bit, I don't think that I've ever seen anywhere else in the world black squirrels, except for right around that area around Stanford. What, have you noticed these things? What's going on with those? And have you ever seen them anywhere else in the world? No, black squirrels? <laughs> uh, black really. Actually, I have never thought about that, but yeah, we have a lot of black squirrels. <laughs> we have a lot of black squirrels. Strangest thing. I've never, I've seen gray squirrels everywhere else, but at Stanford, they're black. I don't know. I don't get it. But anyway, John had something for you. <laughs> yeah, so like we were talking earlier, I just did 100 100s, New Year's Eve tradition, at least in the States, but it sounds like it's going all over the place. Uh, fun mm-hmm. traditions, you know, die hard. But what's a more sane training that you might be doing or tell us a little more about what your winter training and getting ready for um, this next season's looking like? Mm-hmm. That's actually a good question because, you know, this hundreds of hundreds, uh, hundreds, one hundreds challenge. Where is this coming from? Like, like, where, <laughs> like, where is it coming from? Because I have a lot of Russian friends, who also even former swimmers who also did that hundreds, one hundreds challenge today. But as for us, we skipped that that year. <laughs> we didn't do that year. But uh, primarily winter training is, I guess, the training cycle without days off. That's probably the way I would characterize mm-hmm. that. Because we were even today in the water and we were our next practice is 7 a.m. on the 1st of January tomorrow, which is super unusual because all my year and in Russian New Year is very special date. It's a very special holiday. And you get at least three or four days off. because. Actually, like the sport facilities, it's just like not open. But here, it's just like get it into like 7 a.m. on the 1st of January. It's just kind of, you know, it's actually cool because in, in Russia, we have a saying that the way you're going to meet the New Year's evening and the, and the way you're going to celebrate New Year is going to be the way you're going to spend the whole year. So technically, I guess the whole year is going to be productive if we meet <laughs> with 7 a.m. practice. <laughs> But you must be doing some Russian New Year's traditions. I've uh, spent with a New Year's with a few Russians and God, they're up so late drinking, rolling dumplings, um, having like mayonnaise salad, all types of things like that. What about you? Are you going to be doing any of those things for uh, New Year's Eve? (laughs) Yes, of course. Of course. Uh, It's sad that all my family is in Russia right now. And my sister is in fact in Yosemite. She has a trip with her husband. The yeah, but I'm on the phone with a lot of the guys, I have all of my friends, and just constantly keeping contact. And it's just great, absolutely. Everyone is just so happy right now. <laughs> Probably because they're all drunk right now. <laughs> exactly. What's yeah. how, so, yeah. so I'm my wife is third generation Japanese, and we're getting ready for New Year's here, and, and we're making a bunch of sushi. And I've been fired from sushi rolling because I'm like horrible at it. I like look at so much stuff and try to fit tons of stuff in sushi and never can roll it properly. So how is your dumpling making or dumple uh crimpling on the dumplings are you pretty good at that uh i have never tried that to be honest oh. are you, <laughs> the never, <laughs> you know i'm the one who's eating all of that, you gotta earn it you gotta do the 100 100s first <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true i like true. i like that everything's transitioned i did that set when i was maybe 13 or 14 i think and uh, the other big one at the time was a 6,000 IM. Those were the two Christmas training things when I was in age group or 6,000 IM. And we had a T-shirt for it. And you didn't get the T-shirt if you didn't complete all the butterfly straight without breaking stroke, which I mean, like 
transition yeah. to later, you know, I swimming fast butterfly. I, I was joking earlier, like I never even trained butterfly yet. I had the American record for years and all I did was train sprint freestyle. And like you were saying, Hey, the sprint butterfly, you just train like 25s at a time. You're not doing hundreds and longer stuff. So it's so crazy that stuff like that has changed. And have you noticed mm-hmm. the specificity to uh, changing as you go into winter training? Like, Oh, we're talking about like these kind of crazy sets. Um, Besides the consistency that you mentioned, do you think like specificity of training uh, holds true all the way through winter training? It's not like scary volume and crazy epic sets that are are coming, you know, up for you on a daily basis. You know, you never know. You never know because uh, how huge like surprises. <laughs> he likes to surprise <laughs> us. With, so, uh, uh, and um, yeah, that's a good question because I don't know. All the time we just have. We just show up at the pool and we literally like hope to just like, you know, have like a little bit lower volume, but like work hard. But then we would just suddenly hit like 7,000. It was just super like, you know, work, <laughs> a lot of work, a lot of work. And uh, especially keeping in mind that winter training, you don't have days off. So you just every day you walk into the pool deck, you're like, why am I doing that? All right. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> why am I? <laughs> yeah. But it's fun, you know, you enjoy it. You know, once you get into it, it's fun. It's really fun, especially when you do that with your teammates and you do it, you suffer together. That's the most fun part. How much long course, how much short course you're doing right now? It's, I'm interested because we used to do a lot of long course in winter training, even though we had a short course season coming up. How much are you doing of the two? So right now, I would say 50-50. We do all yeah. the morning workouts in the long course and all the afternoon workouts in the short course yards. So that's probably 50-50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 how much and, and who's we who are you training with uh, are you training with the the sprint freestylers are you training with the mid d guys are you mixing it up who's your who's your team who's your group you train with uh this year i'm training with a mid group oh interesting mm-hmm. how's that feel uh, you know it, it's much better because all my entire career uh, i wasn't the 53 guy cuz in my opinion the spring group is those who swim 53 and swim a hundred freestyle based on their 53. So like they sprint it and then they try to hold it as, as much as they can. However, yeah. for me, all my entire life, I was the one that was just crushing the second half and just like working through it. And for the first time in like six years in the past best month in uh, Salnikov Cup in Russia in December, yeah. uh, I did 400 freestyle uh, on the day one. And then I start, started doing the hundreds again. Yeah, I was gonna say seven thousand seems like a, a lot for who what I would call you a sprinter. So yeah, it makes sense being in this middle distance group. What mm-hmm. um maybe sparked this change of training? Was it kind of how things went last year, or feeling like you need a little bit more volume underneath you? So I guess that's all comes from the my childhood because in Russia we swim a lot of volume because uh, we have this age group meet so the first the first big meet that you have like at the age of 14 and 15 is you, you have you participate in that twice so like two years in a row and this is like kind of like the first entry in age uh, national age group meet where you swim a free, 800 freestyle 200 medley and then uh 200s of your choice and the winner is de- determined by the points you get based on the 800, 200, and both 100s. And so that's why uh, since the beginning, you just strain everything because you want to get ready for everything. And just in general, the the way that like the Slavic and Europeans, because like, I'm pretty sure the European do that all the time as well. 
you got to first do the volume and then based on the volume, like you worked it, then you start working like with the high, high rates and then go down taper and then race. Talk about that. So we talked a lot about what's going on right now in, in, in Stanford and what life is like on campus and where you're living and years, but what was life growing up? Where, where did you grow up? I read somewhere you spent a lot of time between Russia and California. Is that true? You're a skier. This, this, this talk to us about where did you grow up in Russia? How do you end up in California? How you got into the sport, etc. I, I used to do a multiple number of sports. Uh, there was tennis, a little bit of tennis, skiing. Probably my primary one was skiing. But uh, we decided to switch to swimming. And that's actually a fun story because my mom, um, so she has a friend, like lifetime friend. They, they study in the university together and now they're friends for more than 50 years, if I'm not mistaken, 30, 40 years. And so uh, her daughter also went to swimming session. And so we decided to try it out as well. And then it just, oh. all my entire life, prior to uh, coming into the national team in 2017, I didn't, you know, I didn't prioritize it in, I to be on the national team. I didn't prioritize to be a winner. I didn't prioritize to be, not a winner, not a, like to be on the like, world champs yeah. winner. Award. So I was just doing swimming for fun. And especially, so like the second reason was that for the um, university in the United States, because my sister moved to the United States 10 years ago in 2012, in 2012 or 2011, 2012, 2012. And that's why I just wanted to follow her path and just be at the university at the United States as well. And I knew that swimming will be one of the options how to get into school. So I was prioritizing that. And that when I first got into national junior team, when we went to the world juniors in Indianapolis in 2017, I knew only three swimmers. It was Vlad Marzov, Yuli Efimova, and Michael Phelps. <laughs> okay. Nobody else. I didn't watch Olympics. I didn't watch World Champs. I didn't watch like anything prior to getting into the national team. And then once you just get in there and you realize just like, oh, where are you? Like, where are you? Like, and just, you just start feeling like, oh, like they are there swimmers. So you do that, that, that World Champs, Olympics, everything. And then, yeah, since then, yeah, of course, I learned a lot. I mean, you just mentioned the only two swimmers, Russian swimmers I can think of who competed in, in, in the States in recent memory. Uh, not many Russians come across here, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, and Vlad, Russia. But yeah. to that point, Vlad uh, grew up, uh, well, at least he would spend a lot of time. I can't remember. I don't know when he moved, but I remember that he was training in Southern California, too. So, I mean, mm -hmm. he was here for a bunch. So anyway, yeah. What, yeah. what was the story behind that? Yeah. So I'm not sure about Vlad as much, but I know, yeah, that he was spending a lot of the time here in California training because he went also to the high school somewhere in Los Angeles. And then mm -hmm. he got into USC. So that's also a big period of time that he spent here um as for me as well i was spending summers because i wasn't prior to 2017 i wasn't getting i wasn't getting drafted for the national team or anything so i was coming here in the summer and uh swimming for terrapin swim team for three years yeah. in a row oh. and uh I know, just enjoying my life here swimming training and uh getting ready for yeah like getting ready for sat exams and everything to get into school it was doing summer school not at stanford but at the part like the Concord the way because I was training at Terrapins so I was also studying there at Lafayette Concord Pleasant Hill these areas oh. and uh yeah the last time I was with Terrapins was 2018 when we raced the junior nationals well, so what, what all right give us an example of something that the U.S. system 
could learn from what the Russian swimming system is doing? And then vice versa, what do you wish the Russian swimming system, I'm calling it, could <laughs> learn from the US swimming system? You know, like, do you wish that you had a strong NCAA system in, 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 in Russia or is a club system good in Russia? What, what's one thing that is good from each of the systems that you have experienced? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, training-wise, if we compare the U.S. training system and I wouldn't say Russian, I would say European because most of the European yeah. countries do that. So yeah. there are, in like in European way, there are mainly three stages. The first stage is when you just get in an aerobic shape in. You do a lot of volume. You keep your heart rate low on one, one, 150, no, 140 maximum. And you just swim, 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 and swim. This is like probably one of the like, most boring parts in swimming, but yeah, you just swim it. Then uh, the next stage is when you start increasing your heart rate, but you lower your volume. So for example, you were swimming six to, six to 7,000 per practice for two months, two or three months. Then you bring the volume down to 5,000, but you increase the heart rate, you increase the sets. Like the example of the set we did yesterday was three rounds, eight ones plus 450s. 450s were easy, just recovery, and A1s were basically one fast, one easy. Right. So yeah, and uh, then you start tapering when you bring the volume, especially down like two to three thousand, right. and you occasionally like once per three sessions do some work, work race based and stuff. In the US, it's the opposite that you just get into the high heart rate just since the beginning. You just get right into it, yeah. and basically the I'm not sure how it's. Uh, there's an idiom or in the, the phrase that in English, but like the strongest survives, right? Yeah. So I start off in September and just this kind of sets and they just hold on the whole year and then you taper and then you swim. So that's basically probably the number one, I would say, is just to get more aerobic volume because aerobic is just like a base. It's just like a foundation of the house. And then you start build the house. If we're talking about the opposite way, probably, yes, in Russia, I really wish we had some sort of the club system because basically it's just national Russian nationals and then you get ready for the international meets. And uh, or as of now, you're just getting Russian Cup or Solidarity Games in the summer. But basically, we don't have like any opportunities to race rather than just for like, the nationals or qualifying meet for nationals. In the last two years, uh, the Russian Swimming Federation added a lot of the uh, the Russian Cup stages all across Russia, which is uh, thankful to them about because uh, prior to 2022, we had only like a uh, Russian Cup qualifying meet, which be in March and Russian Cup final in in July. And uh, this this year and last year, we have stages starting from the Yuzhny Sakhalinsk, which is the eastern the most eastern part of russia and right. then all the way to kaliningrad which is mainly europe wow it's far yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and it's all within like four month period or three month period so yeah but it's it's cool yeah it's cool all right so talk us through what so we have no we we know very little about russia swimming it once in a while you get a stream of a meet going on in russia and and, and we see the results we don't quite understand your results like i i would not recognize your name in a result sheet because your name is, is spelled differently, et cetera. So talk mm -hmm. us through what's 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 going on now with um with 2024. You know, I we have an idea that um because it's it's very confusing now of what the IOC has now imposed in Russia and then what are your plans are. So what is 
what are the plans for the Russian swimmers given all the, 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 the restrictions that are happening and what Russia is doing mm-hmm. it? How are you going about 2024 in terms of, of, of Paris, let's just say? Let's just go there. Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of Russia's qualifying, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first, first of all, I want to mention that's the, you know, that's individual decision of everyone. So everyone okay. has his own like beliefs, his own motives and everything. Because we have people who already change their nationalities, like Nastya Kirpichnikova, who swims for France. We have a lot of people who said the opposite. They say just, no, we're not going to do that. But um, mainly what I say is just the way it's like, you know, the they made a picture that they are bringing us back. But given yeah. all the criteria and everything, it's mainly not possible for the Russian athletes to come back. Yeah. Which is super unfair. And uh, the here's just super big injustice for yeah. all of us. Basically, because there are some of the, you know, like points on the declaration, everything that would just might like, you know, you, you, you might even not come back to Russia <laughs> after that. Wow. Because, and even the, in order to get the neutral status or something like a neutral, neutral, yeah, neutral status. status. Yeah. 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 To compete in the Olympics, then you compete in the Olympics, but then you are not allowed to participate in any competitions under like Russia, like where Russian flag is or something, something like that. And so it means that uh, a lot of like Russian athletes right now have a choice to go to the Olympics or they're going to wear fully blank white clothing that they have to do by themselves. Nobody's financially supporting them. So they pay for everything their own. And if I'm not mistaken, if you win a medal, you're not getting that medal. You're not getting, you're not going to the podium or anything. You're just getting put in the history books, but you're not Ooh. winning anything. Yes. So you it's not like Tokyo. Yeah. Because in, in Tokyo, you, no, you are under the, 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 a neutral flag and you still got to be at a podium. I mean, yes. but yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, this time now it's going to be way different. And after that, you're not allowed to participate nationals at, uh, at Russian nationals, at Russian Cup or any me that's held in Russia. So, well, let's talk about you, because that's probably the only, you're, you're the yeah, expert yeah. of yourself. What's your plan? What, what are you going to do? You're just going to go and, and train and, and, and see what happens and put down some non-course fast times and see what happens? What do you, what, what have you planned for 2024 in, to, to give yourself the best shot for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, first of all, prioritizing that I'll be racing in the NCAA this year with Stanford's men's team. That's my number. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, yeah, that's gonna be a big surprise. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what the fans are cheering on. But um, after the NCAA, after the NCAA season, uh, you know, I don't want to give any uh, solutions or any like. Yeah conclusion right now because everything changes like very quickly i remember when in 2016 yulia and uh, some of the Rus- other russian athletes were like allowed yeah. to commit like one day before the olympics yeah 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 yeah, for, yeah but for me 100 percent, i want to say i don't want to go against my country because that's my country and i'm going to represent my country yeah, anyway yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and uh if we'll be told to go and swim then i will do that but otherwise uh, I wouldn't come back to the international meets without the Russian flag. 
You know, I was going to mention that we've had a few guests on the show from the 1980s era. Uh, Rowdy Gaines, Craig Beardsley, uh, Glenn Mills, all, all U.S. men's team swimmers who, uh, mm-hmm. when the U.S. decision was made to boycott the Olympics that were in Moscow, they didn't get to participate. And they had that kind of Olympic dream of theirs taken away. Of course, Rowdy came back four years later and won a bunch of medals. Um, but the other two didn't have a chance to to do that. And I just, I'm reflecting on the conversations that we had with those people who had, you know, politics impact their careers and sport and kind of interrupt what is happening athletically. And I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, would be unfair for anyone to look at the current situation and just say like, here's an opportunity to like not have those things separated, but they at least did know at some point early on where the U S trials were held, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in advance of, uh, of the Olympics, but after that decision was made. So actually they knew going into the trials that they weren't actually going to go to the games. They, they had like some foresight to say, here's where the season's going to go. Um, not that that takes anything away from it. Um, but it would be a difficult thing for someone in your position to be going to, it's hard to train. Like, so to go to the pool every day for right now to have the focus of NCAAs is coming up. There's three, you know, a few months out from that. That gives you something to focus on and train and train hard for and a goal in front of you, which I think we all need to have because to get that extra little bit that you need to swim at an elite level and perform at an elite level out of training, you have to have something that you're looking forward to. And I'm sure like, you know, during COVID, uh, that was a difficult thing to know, okay, when's sport coming back? When are we going to be able to participate? I don't know. So why even go to the pool today? What am I training for sort of thing? So I could I could see that if um, that there would be a number of Russian athletes who are in that kind of position where it's like okay what are we doing um, and so either whatever your choice is like having uh, or whatever the circumstances dictate what your choices are you know having having something tangible to hang on to I'm sure is is really meaningful for you just to get the most out of your training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I treat that as yeah as for me. I treat that as a period to get my Stanford degree because I feel like that's a brilliant opportunity for that. You know, so when you have both the Olympics, uh, world champs and everything to focus, especially because I'm also almost finished with my degree. So I have a year and a half more. And this is the great opportunity just to focus on studies and just mm-hmm. get everything possible and everything you can out of it. So that's probably my my reasoning for that right now and uh, when we're going to be back at the international stage and we're going to be back at some point yeah i'll be done with my degree and i can so i can fully focus on swimming but in the meanwhile for my expert um research for the last one minute you went 51 two back in april may you went 51 two long course right on your fly yes i was was 51 oh if i'm not mistaken 51 51 april if you want to and win in April. In April. Yeah. And qualifying for Paris start what the qualifying period opened March first. And and mm-hmm. and you had to get under fifty-one, I want to say six. So you're under the qualifying time for the A cut, right? In the in the period right. so far. So you've you've met that Fina A cut. So yeah. it's that, that's see what happens. That just shakes out. Meanwhile, you're focusing on what you can do in all you can control, which is train your ass off, right? That's what you're doing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so but the other question is that in order to this a standard to be counted yeah. you have to uh do that in the fina approved meet or not world aquatics approved meet and russian mm. nationals i'm not sure if they are world uh, aquatics approved meet right now yeah luckily the and i'm grateful that uh 
the world yeah. records of Genia and uh, Clement. Yeah. Got verified. Yeah. So, but I'm not sure if the A standard at this meet would count towards the uh, qualification. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, we had a few audience questions uh, submitted on Instagram, so I want to get to a few of those. They're kind of outside of of the swimming realm. A few of them, but this one's from Alita Morelli. Says, uh, "Do you have any pets? And if so, uh, do your pets affect your training? I would imagine staying in a hotel, maybe not." <laughs> no, I have a dream of having a dog. Really, really bad. But uh, no, right now, too too big of a responsibility. I'm yeah. getting my mom to get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what 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 breed is it going to be when you get a dog? What breed? Oof, that's a that's a hard question. That's a hard question. Uh, I want to get. Uh, let me translate that real quick. Uh, what's the? Uh, I have a minute, right? I have a minute because I, I want to. Uh, yeah, it better not be a small, little, tiny chihuahua. No, no, it has no, to be no. a big dog, a good dog. Yeah. yeah my mom is a dog. very big fan yeah. of Labrador. My mom okay. is a very big fan of Labrador, and uh, I would want to get. Oh, it's called the. Oh, the breed. Uh, uh, Russian Wolfhound. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know what nickname, I see, guys. <laughs> you know what I see? Just don't just don't do this. This is a pet peeve of mine. Don't get a dog that is in the wrong climate. Because I yeah. I hate when I see people with a husky and they're in really warm climates, oh, yeah. and these dogs yeah. are meant for the just in the winter, and vice versa. If there's any breed that's like not meant for the cold, and it's I mean you live in California, so just don't don't get anything crazy, all right? Hairless so, dog it is, California. <laughs> I got it. I got it. All right, what do you got? So yeah, the my mom was a big fan of Labrador or a golden retriever. Okay. okay, all right, all right. Good one, yeah. Thank you. you I would wanna, yeah, I would want to get a Doberman. They're good swimmers. No. <laughs> How do you feel about the Doberman? Would you would you um, chop the ears? No, no. Oh, to make to make them straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Probably yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And all back right. to the question. I used to have a cat. <laughs> but unfortunately, I was found allergic to cats, so we gave it away. Oh, oh man. We found out the hard way. You and me both. I'm allergic to cats, too, so that's a no-go for me. Yeah. All right, we got another one from Tavo Swim. Tavo Swim says, uh, what's your favorite sport other than swimming? And I might even take it and say, if you were going to be successful as an athlete in another sport that wasn't swimming, what would it be? Hockey. Ooh, hockey. Definitely, definitely, nice. Definitely nice. All right. By the fact that I have no idea how to skate, I have, I'm absolutely trash at ice skating. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you saw the, the videos I posted on Instagram with my story, how I just <laughs> fall on the ice. It's so bad. But it's fun fact, but when I was back in Russia, we uh, once in a while, we do this some sort of DNA tests. So like, uh -huh. what sports would you potentially play? Like with your DNA, like your like... Yeah. like yeah. Where, and hockey was number one. Swimming was number two. Hockey was number one. Whoa. Based on yeah. a DNA test. I wonder what yeah, that means. Specific. Yeah, it's not yeah. just like, oh, you're a power athlete. It goes all the way down to what sport. <laughs> yeah, puck handling skills. Uh, do you follow the NHL at all? Yes, yes. NHL, but more primarily KHL, the Russian hockey league. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah. Russian, right. Kazakhstan, and uh, Chinese. Oh, second like Chinese. Okay. I mean, there right. are just teams from China. It's like it's like kind of like KHL. It's a Kunlun Red Star from Beijing and Boris from Astana from Kazakhstan. So it's like oh, and there are also Belarus team Dynamo Minsk. So yeah, mm -hmm. yeah oh. a lot. All right. 
Um, okay, so favorite movie. This one's from a 3D printed wizard. What's your favorite movie? Gentleman. What is that? By Guy Ritchie. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good director, dude. Yep. Mm -hmm. I like him. All right. Um, here's here's one that you might appreciate from Ivan Jermella wants to know why his name sounds so badass. <laughs> uh, it's also fun because a lot of the Americans they cannot pronounce my name. They just cannot like do it Andre, Andre. Andre. Like, Andre, Andre, or or Andrew. I'm like, no, I'm Andre. <laughs> well, Luke was saying Andrea. Yeah. I know I messed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well i feel like uh the the pronunciation of course they're never going to get it right mm -hmm. student, um in our defense who didn't speak russian growing up uh, but how do you say the any name that ends so yours ends ov but there are uh russian names that end ova and i feel like those names are often the emphasis is put in the wrong place like i think it took a while for people to start saying efimova is that even the right way to say it? Or for a while, it was Efimova, is what everyone said. So, what's the right way to say your name? And what's give us a give us a linguistic lesson on how to pronounce Russian names? <laughs> well, uh, correctly pronounced, my name is Andrei Minakov. Uh huh. Yeah, but it was interviewed with Yula is Yefimova. So I guess it's just individually. So everyone has its his or her own, like you know the way they pronounce because it's just like coming for ages right because we have our families and it's just like it's common in that family to pronounce it that way and another family to pronounce it that way yeah but yeah usually the people are just getting mistaken they start to emphasize this the last part like ov as you rightly mentioned it's just like but mine mine for example case is right so minakov minakov mm, yeah yeah yes. yeah all right into, well, what i mean your your English is so good, uh, and I, I assume that that's a reflection of both you know your hard work and your intellect, as well as some exposure at a younger age to speaking English. But uh, what are some of the things that are difficult uh, coming from a Russian native speaker to pick up and uh, master the English language? Mm -hmm. Well, I wouldn't say that my English is so good, but <laughs> it's just probably <laughs> just spoken language and just the experience and the years I've spent here in America. But... Uh, you know, I would say that it's just it's just so much easier once you get into these like society and just once you get into English spoken society, it's just so much yeah. easier to learn because it's like to learn how to swim when you be thrown into the pool, you know. Yeah. So that's just like the, the way it's just it. it. Mm. But yeah, when I was getting into when I was getting into Stanford, uh, I had a perfect score in my SAT test for wow. math. Yeah. Or math but my english was not that great and so the uh the reason it took me a year to get in here because i studied i stayed for i withdrew my application and studied for one more year but i also was lucky because of the olympics and um i had to study a lot more english rather than math and then i ended up doing another test and i got in Hmm. All right, we got a few more questions, a little bit more swimming focused than Brian's uh, little divergence. So, um, <laughs> Andrews97 wants to know what's your favorite fly set? You can favorite say 100, 100 fly if you want. We'll believe it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite fly set? The one I've done or the one I'm just thinking of? 
Either one. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because it's just the same, I guess. <laughs> um, my favorite fly sale was definitely just 425 fly. Yeah. Prior, <laughs> like, the thousand, like, prior, like, the, the, my arrival to Stanford, the longest and the biggest fly set I was doing was just like 425, so like 625 fly with 25 easy in between. So we'd be like a total of 825 where you go 25 fast and 25 easy fly. That's probably my set. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Set. Yep. Yep. But like, so we, talked bit, we talked a little bit about your swimming volume. How much of your swimming do you do butterfly? Is it pretty fractional? Right, yeah, yeah. So the way I do it, like, 5% of what I do, and I would say like even 99, I would do freestyle. The fly, I start adding fly when it's drill sets or when it's pace or more high rate stuff with fly because I don't like uh, uh, swimming fly slowly because they will ruin my technique. So, so I, what I do is that I practice on my technique and that's why I just, if I swim fly, it's always pace or uh hi how are you? I, I was gonna ask how you describe your fly because uh, i i watched a couple of your races and, and like i saw your 2019 when you were next to dressel when he set a world record and you had a really really nice race you went out solid at the turn you came back you were strong but i did see a change in your technique like especially the last 25 you started to get a little more up and down forward but you still maintained your, you know, your really, really nice catch. You still maintain your really nice catch down, even though you started to shorten up a little bit and you still, and you got your kicks a lot more powerful, a lot driven, especially the last 10, 15 meters. I, I liked your technique all the way through. Describe, describe your fly. How would you describe it? What do you work on? What do you keep your, your eyes on when you're racing and how do you train for it? Mm -hmm. So I would say the fly for me is natural because when I was racing in 2019, it's just like it's felt natural, you know. I, first of all, I want to clarify: I have never done lifting in my life, and I wouldn't call my butterfly as a powerful stroke. Rather wow. than I'm just laying high and just yeah. moving through the water, like flying through the water. That's what I like. When I moved to America, I started to gain weight a lot. That's probably was number one problem that I had, and. Hmm. Uh, if we just go through my years that I was at Stanford, so I raced at Tokyo, 50.8, flying, yeah. very light butterfly. Then uh, working in, coming in here, uh, three months in, right before the World Championships in 2021 in Abu Dhabi, yeah. uh, I gained that work with, uh, you know, this yard system when we were doing a lot of underwaters, a lot right. of mm -hmm. big sets and everything that helped me to pre produce fast times in short course meters. Because yeah. I won PB by a second. I was 49.2 that year, where my PB was 50.1 back from 2018. And I couldn't wow. go faster than, 50, 000, uh, than 2018 um, yeah. prior to World Champs. And then NCAAs, 43.7. Also fast. Yeah. But then I start, we decided, and um, uh, the band from the World Aquatics that we were going to race, we decided to for me to try to lift. And uh, that was a horrible mistake, but you know, I guess it was actually good because like now we know this, it's not for me. I gained around like 15 pounds and that's why my 2022 year was off in long course wise. And um, I just gained a lot of weight and just couldn't move through the water uh, as easily as I used to before. And then coming into, I'm just trying, I was, uh, since then I just tried to lose weight 
just try to be on that track just to again fly again and i can say that I, only now a year or year and a half later i came to the way that i used to be prior to coming to states wow yeah, yeah i was gonna I, say you look leaner look at you yeah, look at you. you look leaner <laughs> I, oh, man. it's that hockey player dna you bulk up too easy <laughs> But I, I wanted to know if that's a Stanford thing because I'm I'm friends with Jason Dunford and Jason was a 51 flyer finals at at, at, at the Olympics, the Worlds. Um, and I remember he came to swim with us and he blew us out of the water. Then he came to lift afterwards and Jason could not lift. Jason mm -hmm. Dunford could not. I I don't think he's been touched weights very often. He was mm -hmm. just like you, very much on top of the water, very sleek, very easygoing and, and slender. Is that is that just? Do you think the Stanford program just excels at, at creating at, at that at the people who don't need to live, who can just have the power naturally through the water? Is it something about the program or your background or just you? What do you think? Uh, I think that, first of all, I'm super grateful that uh, Stanford gives all the opportunities. So we don't have the system where they just tell you, oh, you have never lifted. You have to live. Like, it's not like that. It's, uh, of course, we move on as a group and we move on as a team, but uh, everyone has like, you know, it's own little things that help him yeah. succeed. And the coaches, the working staff, and everyone is helping to evaluate that. And uh, again, for me, I was working with a coach, who was a strength conditioning coach, Anthony Tran, love him with the bottom of my heart. Uh, we were working and just finding the best solution that would fit me. And because, and I know that like most European swimmers are on the same page, like the, Lifting is not that common there for for European athletes. Of course, like you know, if you're Ben Proud, hi Ben. <laughs> <laughs> like the way this guy trains is just crazy. Or Florian Manadu when I was training in the Energy Stand in 2018. Yeah. Good old years, but yeah, this is just crazy how they way you train. But especially young athletes uh, from the Europe, we don't we don't lift. We do something like you know to keep up the power and the strength, but lifting like US base swimmers no we don't do that ben proud told us he wasn't even strong though <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm not strong and we're like what look at you <laughs> he's so sheepish about it yeah he's like oh who do we ask him if he could win an arm wrestling match with uh flow and then uh, flow. maybe flow yeah. is just like you mentioned flow as well but yeah maybe flow would take him but yeah he was like oh no no chance no way i could do that <laughs> yeah. like oh and pd and pd pd was the oh, other one yep he said yeah. no way yeah, of course not strong guys no no <laughs> <Not guys. laughs> do, nope. do you have natural strength to weight ratio um strength to weight ratio like we asked diary rose a few weeks ago whatever how many pull-ups he can do he's like oh, i'm not very good at pull-ups i could only do about 19. I'm like, oh, okay, that's pretty good, Dari. You know, can you uh, do you do any sort of like pull-ups, push-ups, air squats, any like non-weighted dry land that show your strength? Yes. Yeah, so I push-ups, pull-ups. It's also complicated a little bit for me to say that because I'm not, I'm confused with the names in English for that because apparently, especially when I also work with my national team stuff members, so I know all the exercises like you know in Russian 100, but in English somewhat. No. But yeah, the uh, the way you describe that and the exercise yeah. you described and you mentioned, yes. Uh, when and the example with 19, I'm just trying to remember how, how far could I go. But I would. I remember my PB at some point when we had a testing when I when I got here. I did thirteen in a row. But <laughs> I think right now, nonstop. That's good. Once, 
I'll I can do more than 15, but it's all worse. I don't know. Usually I do the set of uh, four sets, six, six, four, three, or something like that. But I add weight, so I go like five or six, no weight, six, no weight. Then I add chains and go like four and three. Okay. So I want to clarify something. So does that mean that now you're not going in the gym at all? Do you do like some abs on the deck and some things to at least like maintain some of the, I don't know, I would call it like some of the pump uh, that you get from, from doing any forearm work in the gym. I mean, I, I can tell you from Olympic lifting, like I feel personally so much better in the water if I'm doing some strength. It doesn't necessarily need to be heavy stuff, but I just want to clarify like what you do. Cause also it strikes me that, um, I think sometime recently Dressel was gave a comment at a, at a recent swim meet saying like his results were what they were. And in part it's cause he's realizing he needs to be a lot stronger and he needs to put a lot more muscle on, which anytime mm-hmm. I've seen someone like him, I go, dang, like he looks very muscular. And I would think having worked with, you know, and swam with other people, like maybe that I've heard similar stories like you, where you just, you get too big and it kind of weighs you down and it, you lose the pop and you lose the the float in the water. It seems like for him, he needs to add bulk, but for you, you don't need it. So I'm just curious, like, do you do anything at all? Or are you totally away from it? And um, now it's just swimming. So for me, uh, I also think then believe that drowning is uh, very important for swimmers. For me, I prioritize two things. The core workouts, because the core stability and the way you can hold yourself on the surface of the water is the essential part in swimming. Because if you're not going to have a strong core, your body will just like, you know, crack or something like that. And uh, it's also your rotation and everything. So the core is probably number one priority on the drowning for me. And the second one is stretching, especially for fly when you got to have like super big amplitude doing like that you got to have the mobility and stretching in order to be able to do that and also stretching it recovers your muscles recovers your body so these are the two things that i primarily focus on the dryland the another thing that uh we also do is kind of once in a while we do soccer training so you know we do the part like letters yeah what do you mean we talked about butterfly but i mean at 18 years old you went 47.5 freestyle uh you're a world-class freestyler what's what, what's going on with your freestyle how are you keeping that in shape i mean you know for if you go 47.5 now you final you know, and, and what's going on with your with your freestyle training? How is that um, mobility, dexterity, core strength, um, moving across the 100 free, and where do you want to take it? Mm-hmm. So, first of all, I guess the freestyle is going good for me because all my entire life I train freestyle, and freestyle yeah. is the primary, uh, the primary stroke that I'm training. That's why it's so good. But uh, as well as I, I also used to have the world junior record in the 100 yeah. freestyle before the Pavich took it. Um, yeah. you know, uh, in case of where I want to bring that, I don't know. There are no borders. We're six no. five, we're six zero. Oh, there are no. Yeah, yeah. we just <laughs> want to evaluate that. But what I like about freestyle and what I like in general is more of like you know like two hundred freestyle. I'm just getting into it. So we had Russian nationals. I won one forty two eight, which is probably you know not the, like as fast as the guys who went at the European meet uh in uh, romania right in romania 
And but it's just personally, I like it way more because it's just like you know, you have way more time on the distance and you just cruising through it, you know. Mm-hmm. Further in the 50, where you basically have no chance for mistake, where you just dive in and just like you have to do everything perfect to win it. I think I recall a, a 200 free for a leadoff relay that someone <laughs> did that looked like he was going to die on deck for an hour afterwards. Do you know who that could be? <laughs> you don't remember? Was that, was that Georgia Tech? You let off the inner free relay, then you just flopped on deck and they looked like. Yeah. We have a video of you like passing out. You want to do the long course for free? <laughs> well, I gave it all, and then that was a separate record. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I had trained two free type of workout prior to that a lot, but I still went one thirty one, which is good. But <laughs> yeah, to prove that this year, because I've started doing more, like way more workouts based on the two freestyle. And as uh, we spoke earlier, I moved to the distance group or to, uh, to the mid distance group. While I was careful. used to be, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I used to be training with uh, sprinters before, but now I'm also training with the mid distance and maybe one time distance per week. <laughs> because in the in the fall when um, I, I was training here, not not in college, but I was training here. I would be doing sets like 3,000 on time or like 6,000 with just like, you know, workouts and just super aerobic, like three 1,000s. Five Why? Yeah. Just yeah, to that's keep that like Yeah. Okay. But why? what did you get out of that personally? You are uh, you know, a very experienced swimmer. You are a mature swimmer. When you did that, how did how did that, I mean, where I, I don't believe in that kind of stuff, but... I would do it if I believed in it and if I understood how it did for me. How did you approach that and why? what do you think it benefited you? How did it benefit doing 3,000 for time, for instance? Well, uh, bringing back the example with uh, a house, like the house needs to have a basement, right? And for yeah. me, like this type of work and uh, uh, this whole aerobic section of swimming is like a foundation for me. And right. then I started building a house with bringing down the volume and bringing up the heart rate. So I treat it as like that. And second, if you do that since the, your early ages and you're just like used to it, you know, and if you're not going to do that, then you're going to fail. That's probably was the primary reason why we didn't race well last year is because we decided to try uh, just more of sprint type work. And we didn't do that, like this distance work. We'll be just doing like 25s, 50s, yeah, hundreds occasionally. But uh, in the fall, I was doing sets like 450s on the on the bucket, so like 25 bucket, 25 easy. Then it would be like thousand, and then four rounds of that. We would be doing sets like six rounds, uh, six rounds, four 100, four, 400, 400 on six minutes, plus a hundred on two minutes where the hundreds are always fast effort and the 400s are descent one of six. We'll be doing sets like 400 plus four ones again, but this time 400s would be just like aerobic where four ones would be descent by round in three yeah. rounds. Like that. So yeah, I, I'm just used to do that all stuff. I enjoy it and like suffering and just this is <laughs> what I gain confidence from that. Hey, you know, I can just train like 2,000 per practice. That's what happened in December, by the way. Like after Russian Nationals, Stolnikov Cup, I will be just training like two, 3,000 per 
per uh, practice. But, wow. you know, I saw PBs and the Solnikov Cup still managed to hold the, both 100 fly and the 100 freestyle because what we had on the day two, we had 100 fly, which I won 49.6, which is also good, and uh, 30 minutes, and then 100 freestyle, 46.1 PB. So, managed. Wow. Hmm. Well, no, it seems like the, the training is definitely paying off with multiple events, and that 142, 200 free is, is pretty solid. I guess what else are you working on fine tuning in that 200 free? Because I imagine 200 free long course is still kind of new for you on the senior level. Mm -hmm. Well, probably the also the uh, the four two free relay for yeah. Russian national team. You know, I, I, I'm always and I used to be the type of the guy who fulfills all the holes and the relays and like for everywhere would it be stanford where i assume all the relays would it be a russian national team where the only one relay that i wouldn't swim would be uh the four by two free relay and in tokyo it was the only relay that mattered. yeah we can discuss here how like russia was going for the gold and for free, yep. for freestyle relay so good you know? Yeah, I'm yeah. still, you know, <laughs> suffering from that, but I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> and I mean, you know, I did my part well, so it's not on me. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, we lose as a team, so yeah, we lose as a team. It was sure. epic. And and just that was kind of like also a motivation for me, just like you know, to maximize your chances heading into the next Olympic uh, year, an Olympic cycle. So mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, again, I just enjoy it. I don't like fifty. Fifty is not my thing. A hundred and two freestyle is just the thing. Because even uh, um, I had the fastest back end half in the hundred prior to David Popovici took it away yeah. from me, like last year. So I'm second one. But I also cruised it, so I went like forty. It's so funny when the swimming stats they did the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the list, and it would be like the people are going like forty six low, or forty six, forty seven low, forty seven low, forty seven low, like forty six high. And then me just like 48.5. Like 24, 24.4, 24.1. Like, oh. Was it Nathan Nadir who said, all right, guys, let's just pull up with some tier pro seem serious meet. Go like easy on the first 50, then flip it and just go crazy. That's funny. On the rankings. Yeah, but that, that was hilarious. And I remember just like, you know, one of the comments, like just the people who were going through that list, they're like, did Menikov just negative split the 100? And it's like, <laughs> it was back into my teenage years. I, I'm not going to lie. I miss the years. I miss these times when, especially like Russian Russians, and you could just play with that, you know? You just play like, yeah, yeah. people sure. around, like, trying hard, but you can, you know, that you're just going to go easy and then you're going to come back. It's fun. <laughs> It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I like messing around with stuff like that, although I didn't have the speed to be able to do that at U.S. Nationals and still mess around like somebody like Nathan Adrian could. <laughs> uh, speaking of hilarious, before we talked to you, we thought it was the first interaction we ever had with you was at a press conference at NCAAs and uh, it was the year you won the 100 fly, so at Georgia Tech. And um, it was also the first year that we ever went to any swim meets. You know, we'd been doing podcasts for a while, but of course, like, things happening in the world I, I had to ask the question somebody in the room was going to ask it it was us and like other media outlets and i remember i remember asking you something about like hey like talk about just being from russia and like what impact that's had on your life right now with everything that's happening in the world and i thought it was so hilarious because you just you turn you didn't even like 
I feel like you looked at me or like heard the question and then you just turned and I could see your eyes looking in the corner. I'm like, I didn't know because I was facing you and it was the student information or the sports information director from Stanford. <laughs> and he just steps in like all you all you had to do was look at him. <laughs> and then he took control of the room. He goes, yeah, we're going to keep all the questions focused on sports. And I was like, OK. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, you had to give it a shot. Uh, but in that same press conference, then uh, like every other athlete, um, because we just come from, uh, from the women's meet where like, of course, the elephant in the room at that meet was Leah Thomas. And so he had been asking all the women's swimmers at the meet, like, you know, hey, can you talk about the impact of, of this? There's obviously something else going on at the meet. And nobody, I mean, I don't fault anyone for this, but no one, none of the female swimmers would take this question like head on. None of them answered it or gave like an honest thing. They were just like, oh, we're just focused on us and our, our effort. And um, but it was uh, it was you and your press conference. Nothing to do with that. But like the confidence that you had in your press conference, because then suddenly we were we were all asking the questions of you. And then at some point it was like you were holding court and you go, OK, so here's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, like, shouldn't shouldn't NCAA's just be called 21 and under world championships? <laughs> and like, we just appreciated that, like, instead of us, it's normally like, you know, the media is asking the athlete the question, and then suddenly you just turned it on everyone and you're like, okay, but here's what I want to know. <laughs> and you're the only athlete that I've ever seen do something like that, now that I've been at that many press conferences, but uh I don't know. It's kind of funny how you just like took command and you're like, ah, whatever. Like I'm, I'm here to ask questions and talk shit about swimming. So why not? <laughs> I remember that. I remember that very well. I remember how you, you just got lost. <laughs> I asked that question. Everybody's just like, what just happened? Like, <laughs> and like, it was funny because the whole room, we just like looking at each other and say like, who's going to respond to that? Like, who was that question to? like what? <laughs> well, that, that means sometimes you can just, sometimes, it, for anyone because um, we, we're only new to this in the last couple of years having gone into this environment every swim meet that we go to is different in terms of like can we ask you a question directly and is there a like a, a protocol to it or is there someone like you have to raise your hand and ask for the microphone and then you ask it like a formal press conference and sometimes it's just more casual so like i don't know that one was more formal where we had to raise a hand ask for a microphone get on the thing like you know they were pretty fair and how they distributed which outlet got to ask mm -hmm. questions and it's because the week prior you had all these bigger networks like at least big american news networks were there espn was there cbs news was there all for the like leah thomas trans discussion thing happening mm -hmm. so like that process was set before we got to the men's meet and so it was like more formal whereas i think if it was like a nationals or even like last year at minnesota when the, the we were shoved in this tiny little room and it was more like it was almost as if we were in the locker room like like that kind of thing that you see if you see post post game interviews and like the nhl locker room or something that's more what it was like so you could probably just answer it straight up but that <laughs> that one for sure the environment is what made everybody freeze is pretty funny um hey uh luke had one for you go ahead luke yeah yeah uh, andre um when I was growing up, so I swam in I I, I swam college in the nineties, um, but I I swam age group in the eighties. When I swam age group in the eighties, my some many of my heroes were my were Russian. Uh, uh, Sanikov was my, one of my heroes in 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 the eighties for what he did, unbelievable, Vladimir. And in the nineties, obviously it was Alexander Popov and Denis Pankatov. Those were the two 
like heroes for me. I just loved how they changed the sport. And I and when I saw him in college, I was lucky to have uh, Turetsky's uh, sports science um, um, guy come and, and, and do testing on us. So I got involved and I got to understand a little bit of the Russian swimmers. And so my idols at the time were Russian swimmers. You growing up, so you were born in 2002, so your age grouper in 2010s. Who were your? Who did you look up to? Who were your idols? Were they Russians? Were they Americans? Europeans? I want to know the perspective of what it was like being an age grouper in Russia growing up, and 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 who were your idols in swimming? I want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as I already mentioned earlier, like prior to coming to the national you team, knew so nobody. when I was 13, 14, I didn't know anybody. I was just training with my even not club team, high school, because in Russia the uh, like athletics is part of the educational system, and yeah. some schools have swimming, some schools have soccer, some schools have like just basic athletics or something, basketball and everything. So this is like it's basically like a subject in school that you have to pass, like mathematics or physics. And mm-hmm. I was just training with this like high school uh, kids that are like out of them, like nobody like even went on the maximum was just like national age some like 15 14 like uh, age competitions maybe like third place maximum with like nothing more than that and i was just training with them i was enjoying swimming i was enjoying my life i was studying i wasn't paying attention to anything that was happening on solid world i knew of only the uae Fimova and vlad morizov that's and it NFL. of course and for and felt nothing more like no, nobody else nobody else i was like who are these people? And especially because, like, you know, it was funny that when I first got in a national, national junior team, we first went to the European Youth Olympic Festival in Gyor, in Hungary, in yeah. July. Yeah. And um, it was just like kind of like, you know, the people I knew of from the Russian junior meets, there are people just like 14, 15 years of age, right? Like, just people, I, I knew them, right? Just, but I, they were like, like super like fast elite swimmers right and so we'll be there we won and then because i swim fast i swim like 52 and i got drafted as the second butterflyer to the world juniors mm-hmm. and there the the actual junior national team they were racing at russian nationals to get qualified for the world juniors they would be racing european junior meets uh european junior championships in netanya that year and i just remember how everything just changed with me quickly because basically like you know these people were living a life of swimming they were trying like as hard to get into the national team even junior national team and uh, it's just me who just swam 52 oh i'm like okay i'm here <laughs> like i actually remember that because i was supposed to go and race with terrapins at the some junior yeah. meets here national juniors here and i couldn't go because i got drafted for the national team and uh I was sad and I was like, all right, I'm going to Indianapolis, but I don't want to go there. Like, And I remember my American friends who were at Tempest, they were saying like, dude, that's like World Junior Championships. Like, what are you even talking about? I'm like, that's just some random meet. I don't really care about that. <laughs> and then like, and it's just like all coming into is just like, you know, as far as you just don't take it serious, I guess you have the advantage because you have like clear mind, you have clear yeah. like emotions, you're not really into it. So you just go and just start having fun, you know? And it was also so fun because I was only 15 and that was like the lowest minimum like uh, uh, age requirement for that. Mm. And I remember like 18 year olds 
they would be just like you know trying to play like emotional games or like psychological games but like you know even like from my national team as well when we'd be sitting in the call room and the people would be just like you know asking like i'm just sitting getting ready for the race and my like national team guy guess all right bring me water like you know thinking of just i'm like super young and i need to like and i have to do like everything he tells me so that was like and just me just like getting like all right you want water here it comes just like and just, and just we raced and i went and like oh yeah like hope hopefully like i'm I'm sorry that water didn't help you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like fun especially but it also like you know getting into the national team as well i remember my first ever like when i first got to the national team 2019 senior national team for the world champs uh I had like a picture of like where I'm going. Like this is a world champs. This is like kind of like hype. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of hype. And uh, my first ever roommate was Vlad Morozov. I'm like, I'm gonna leave with Vlad nice. Morozov. <laughs> uh -huh. And then just like you know, we'd be just like talking, especially because I was studying in America and living in America for part of my life. He was living in America, so. Like he's a super nice guy. He 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 treated me very well. Like in the entrance, like to the national team and senior level, he taught me a lot. He just gave me that, like you know, this entry level, and just helped me to settle in the team. And since then, yeah, of course, I started paying way more attention, like you know, learning and just thinking of like what what it's like to be on the national team to represent Russia and to swim at the world championships and beyond. So yeah, this is yeah, but this is fun. This is the all is just like so fun. <laughs> it's so funny just to hear about uh Luke's told the story sometimes about having heard that Popov would walk into a ready room and just go, gentlemen. because <laughs> uh, that's what Duajaganya had told us that. So the fact that that's the title of your uh favorite movie and also uh the the way that you tend to be in in a ready room environment is uh is pretty funny. So um, well, hey, we know we know you got to get going, so uh, we're going to close with just a few rapid-fire questions yeah. and then uh, yeah. then end it. But all right, uh, what's the hardest race in swimming? The hardest is four uh, four a.m. four a.m. I think four a.m. Olympic gold or world record? Olympic gold. Do you pee in the pool? Yeah. <laughs> When you retire from swimming, are you now going to be a power lifter? No. <laughs> no. All right. And then the most important one is how often do you do social kick? Every day. That's what I'm talking about. Every day. Us two. Every day. <laughs> I love it. Dude, thanks for hanging out, man. It's fun to get to chat with you. You're a you're a riot. And um yeah. I know that there's some uncertainty with what happens in 2024, but either way, we're here to watch you uh, excel mm -hmm. with the new, the newer, lighter, uh, <laughs> more, more nimble, more agile. You, 15 strength pounds lighter, and um, yeah, so we'll look forward to watching you at NCAA's, and then whatever comes next comes next. But you're welcome back here anytime, and um, yeah, thanks for spending the time with us today. Yeah, and I think you know, thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you, I appreciate that, and just yeah, had fun, a lot of fun. Okay, awesome. Andrew. All right. All right. Well, that's it for the social kick. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying social kick, tell your friends about it and be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, the social kick, and you can find all of our content on our website,